Well, good morning and welcome to Worship with River of the Valley. Uh, we're going to begin our time together uh, reading Psalm 50, the first six verses. It says, The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire and a mighty tempest all around him. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge. Would you pray with me? Father, we hear of your might and your power in this psalm. And also we hear that you are the one, the judge, the God of justice. We thank you for the ways that you have been bringing justice into our lives individually. Think of the, the ways that you have been giving us favor. And also, Lord, we were mindful of the ways that this world has come in upon us and, and we have felt suffering. Lord, we bring all that here today in worship and laying it before you and, and, and recognizing that you are the God of justice and that you are ordering all things. That which we see is good, that which we see is bad. You, the God of justice, is, is bringing forth a future, particularly as you promise to come again. So here we, we cannot stop but to sing, we cannot help but to pray, we cannot do anything more important than to read your word and to meditate upon it, because that is where we have a hope in our future. That's where we have a hope in our suffering, and even, it's where we find the spark of that hope, even in death. Lord, give us this time to be together once more, online, here in person, let us worship you. Amen. Well, let's worship the Lord our God. If you're here, you might be able to keep your pages open with the wind. Um, if not, at home. And then let us let us join our voices together, letting the Lord know that we are here in spirit and truth. Good morning, everybody. Stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. Our break, our awesome is He.
says and jesus asked the father how long has he been has this been happening to him he said from childhood and my son it is often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him but if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us jesus said to him if you can all things are possible for the one who believes immediately the father of the child cried out and asked I believe. Help me in my unbelief. We're going to move into a time of honesty and confession before the Lord, and uh, the cry, the cry of the Father, needs to also be ours. That we so desire to believe, but there are many times which we find in our hearts and minds unbelief. But we can come to the Lord asking for that by His hand to be worked on. So let's pray. Lord, we come to you to be honest and also to be in confession of how there have been many ways in which we have walked away from your ways. And the things that we have done or the things that we have left undone. Ways in which we have done damage to ourselves, to others, to your creation. So Lord, hear, hear us as we seek to be humble and honest before you confessing how we we know by that guilt that we have done 
which has not been the way that you have instructed. But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. Jesus has been very clear with us that we, we in, our, in our imperfection often will fall short. But he came in order to give us life and not just eternal life, but a new life now that we can grab hold of already growing in, in, in our ability to follow the Lord growing in our ability to love and to create as we were originally designed to create goodness. This might seem impossible. This might seem impossible, especially if we take on the level of society. But as with Jesus said, with man, this might be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So be confident. May your hope be restored today that God is alive and active in your life possibilities are in fact endless i want to say two quick things announcements before we jump into the word today in our sermon one is that on wednesday you are going to be before then you'll be receiving um, an announcement with a link for a special service that we have already um, recorded here in the sanctuary thank you felipe and team for all that hard work that you actually are still currently doing <laughs> and making that happen. It's, it is, you might say, a River of the Valley's first step into doing something like this. That's, that's being produced well. There's, there's the worship music with the team, and I'll, I'll have a short message to launch ourselves into Lent, into a new series called Live His Love. And so you'll be receiving um, information with a link to that ahead of time. But on Wednesday, that video will go live at 5 p.m. And it will be a chance for you to have uh, a special service in that first Wednesday of Lent, that Ash Wednesday, a service to get yourself going into Lent and ourselves as a church in this new series. You're going to see that there are two videos that are going live at the same time. One is for those who want to engage in English. One's for those who want to engage in Spanish. The first part has a few songs that are bilingual but when it comes to the message if you choose English you'll get the message just in English <laughs> if you choose Spanish you're gonna get the message just in Spanish so if you're an English speaker make sure you choose the video that is in English and if you realize you're only hearing Spanish when you get to the message go find the other one the second thing I want to bring up Shana would you come up so Shana has officially joined the River of the Valley staff in order to direct our youth ministry yeah thank you that's awesome that you're clapping she deserves it um i'm so excited that she's doing this and the reason why we're bringing her up today even though she's been doing this for a few weeks now in organization is on saturday she's having a first get together with the youth of our church so she's been connecting with them and um and with their parents and i wanted to pray specifically over you shana as you're jumping into this new ministry uh, first Saturday in, in the youth ministry of the church, but also Shana began seminary uh, back in January. So Shana, yeah, yeah, another round of clapping is warranted. Yeah, she's jumping into a lot all at once. 
So I also want to pray over her in this in this phase in which she is preparing herself to serve the church pastorally in the journey of seminary here close at Fuller Theological Seminary. So let's pray for Shana. Lord, I thank you for our sister in Christ and for the call of the call of faith that you have nurtured within her that has now even blossomed into these fruit-bearing branches attending seminary. Wow, Lord, thank you for giving her that that inspiration and for paving that way where she can we can she can jump in and now start to prepare herself even further to be a pastoral leader. And in that Lord, she now takes on the responsibility with our youth program. We pray that you would give Shana imagination, creativity. I pray that you would give her a heart that continues to have patience and perseverance. Lord, we pray for all the leaders that will be involved, like Danny Reyes, thanking you for, for those who are coming around Neda, thanking you for those who are coming around Shana. Lord, we pray that as the youth begin to gather on Saturday, that from the very beginning, your presence is felt among that group, and even the youth themselves can feel the excitement, the adventure, and the joy of being a part of your work and, and your love. So bless all the work ahead of them, and may you guide Shana as she takes on this responsibility. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Shana. Yeah. Can yeah. I, can I say something? Of course you can. Want... Yeah, just use this mic. Okay, thanks everybody. I just really wanted to let you all know that it's because of you that I have the strength and the courage to do this. Um, this church has been really a major factor in helping me find my relationship with God and to trust in him and to see the world through his eyes. And that's what I really hope to impress upon the youth and to help them build that relationship so they have that strength to continue on in our world and be that light for this community or wherever they end up. So I've met with many of them and next February or next Saturday on February 20th from two to four, we'll be meeting out here in the parking lot. If you have somebody in mind that you'd like to invite, they're welcome. I've spoke to most of the ones that are on my radar, but um, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that they're welcome. The teens from 12 to uh, 18 will be here and we'll be having a lot of fun. So it's time to have some fun. We've been in lockdown and, and, and we need to start to really feel God's hand at work in our life. So I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you, Jonathan, for offering it and, and bringing it to my attention and just walking with me in my walk with God. Thank you. Time to have some fun. I like it. <laughs> Let me open up our scriptures today. We're going to be in Mark uh, chapter 9. And this is the story of the transfiguration. Today is actually in the church calendar, Transfiguration Sunday. It, it marks the, the end of Epiphany. And then we jump into Lent, starting this next week. But here we go. This is going to be Mark 9. And I'm reading verses 2, and I'll be reading until we get to verse 8. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, 
and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. This is the word of God. Thanks be to him. Lord, we do pray now that your, as your word is opened and as we are here together before you, that you would use what I have to say in the meditation of our hearts, that you would guide us in this time so that we would continue to understand what it is that you have called us to know about yourself, about ourselves, and what we are to be and do in this world. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. What does the Lord want you to hear today? (laughs) And why does it need to revolve explicitly around these words? This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Why does God need to tell you that today? You specifically, why is God telling you that specifically today? Each of us decide at one point in our lives what we're going to think about God and what we're going to also think about what God has recorded to have said in scriptures. We think about who God is, what God might be saying to us, and then our response to that, our, our role in following the Lord. And today what we're going to see is that our ability to reach out to God is firmly limited by the ground on which we stand on, by our own experiences, by the own uh, logic of our minds. Here in, in the transfiguration, it's this kind of like a, a pivot or, or a moment, a point in time in which Mark in his gospel is is putting book ends around this central moment. And we're going to look right now from chapters 8 to chapters 10 and see that there's there's something happening here that Mark wants to say about each one of us in our current position of reaching out to God or thinking about God, thinking about the idea of God, has to do with our alignment. It has to do with your your alignment and calibration and seeing God and understanding the Lord God. We were driving up to Sacramento a couple weeks back, um, well, month and a half now for New Year's. Christy, we had just put new tires on her car because we were planning on maybe going up into the snow and the tires weren't good enough for that. But I noticed as I was driving up the five that it, it was pulling a little bit. And I was surprised because we had just put new tires in the car and I thought everything would be all worked out. You know what happened was it turned out when we took the car back for routine maintenance, they put new tires on, but they didn't align the tires, which didn't make any sense to me. But they put new tires on, and they, since they didn't calibrate correctly, even with the new tires, the car was pulling. There's another time in my car life, very early on, I think it might have been even my first car, one of my tires on the front end kept going flat, what they call a slow leak. 
And every time it would have this slow leak and it would lose air, what would happen with my driving? It would, it would rumble. Yeah, Patty, it would rumble and it would begin to pull again. We tried to patch it. It didn't work. What eventually needed to happen was it needed to be taken off and a new tire needed to be put on. That was the only fix of that alignment. See, whether, whether we are putting new things into our life to look at the Lord or we have things that are keeping us away, what we're about to see is that our alignment and our calibration is critical for how we understand the world we're living in. And one last thing, you know, we're going to Mars. <laughs> if you heard the news this next week, we have this really cool rover that's going to be landing on Mars. And, and there's a little helicopter. We got, like, we got a little Mars copter now that's going to fly around Mars and, and, and evaluate the landscape. It's very exciting stuff. And it made me remember back in 1999 when we tried to, we tried to do something on Mars. What, what, what happened back in 1999? Anybody? 1990. What, what happened back then? It crashed. Why did it crash? Feeds to... Wait, wait, Kirk. Are you telling me that the best scientists in the world forgot to communicate with each other and calibrate between feet and meters? Is that what happened? Right? So we have this million dollars of equipment that we send to Mars. And because some scientists were using inches and some scientists were using centimeters, the thing crashed because they weren't calibrating. It's critical. These, the, the way that we live our life and how we are, how we are aligned and what we are looking at and what we are valuing is crucial. The section, the section of scripture begins back in Mark eight. You know, it wasn't until this past millennia that we even had chapter numbers and verse numbers in the Bible. It used to open it up and it was just one long treatise. So we, we put these chapters in, but it's, it's somewhat arbitrary. But chapter eight, if you go there, you'll see there's a story of Jesus healing a blind man. The end of chapter 10, you find Jesus healing a blind man. And that sets the stage for the blindness of our ability to see God. Also, three times in this section, around this anchoring moment of the transfiguration, Jesus begins to talk about his crucifixion. He begins to tell the disciples, I'm going to go to a cross. Now, what do you think the disciples' response would be to the one that they're following, telling them that he's about to do something like go to the cross? I might imagine, I might imagine the church listening to Jesus. I might imagine the church saying, okay, um, we're going to follow the word of God. We're, we're going to listen to you, Jesus, and we're going we're gonna to be able to now recalibrate our lives to what you are saying. But you know what happens three times when Jesus tells them he's going to go to a cross? Three times right afterwards, the disciples... <laughs> reject in a sense what Jesus is telling them first time in, in Mark 8 Jesus says that the son of man that he's gonna have to go and suffer and be crucified what does Peter say to him it's very strong it says Peter takes Jesus aside and reprimands him Peter takes Jesus aside and gives Jesus a talking to like who would do that who would take Jesus like they've, they've been watching him do all these miracles he's obviously come with the power of God and Peter feels like he is in his right 
to try and take Jesus aside to tell him that he's wrong and that this would never happen. All right, so eh, eh, that's wrong. Jesus, again, says for a second time, predicts that this will happen. Right afterwards, right after he predicts again that this will happen, we find the disciples walking, taking taking their walk back to their home base in, in Capernaum. And when they get there, Jesus asks them a question. He says, hey guys, so what were you talking about on the road back here? And it says all the disciples were silent. Do you know why? Because Jesus caught them. <laughs> Jesus, it says that they, they didn't want to tell Jesus what they were talking about because they were arguing about who was first. They were arguing about who was most important. Jesus is, is telling them that if, if you're going to follow me, you have to serve everybody else. If you're going to follow me, it says the first shall be last, the last shall be first. If you're going to follow me, it's going to go to a cross. He says that and immediately after they're taking a walk and the disciples are arguing about the opposite. Who's going to be most successful? Third time, Mark 10. Jesus says, I'm going to a cross. If you're going to follow me, that's what's going to happen. This is, this is about putting on the love that is sacrificial to help and serve and save other people. Right after Jesus says that, James and John come up to Jesus and what do they ask? We want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus is like, okay, what is it? <laughs> we want you to put one of us at your right and one of us at your left. And we want to be the most important. We want to be on top. Three times Jesus says very clearly and explicitly, my way is a way of serving others, not a way of finding your personal success. As he says to Peter, concentrating on things that are human concerns. He says, you're concentrating on things of man, things of humans. We need to start recalibrating this so you begin to think about the things of God. The things of me that I'm teaching you about the way of the cross, about sacrificial living so that other people can find life and saving. Okay, right after that story, we get the healing of the blind man, okay? So we have the healing of the blind man that sets this off, that humanity is blind and needs healing. We get these three times that Jesus has been very clear about, about his call, that instead of a, a, a road to personal success and a self-centering calibration, he's saying you need to have a Jesus-centering calibration, or said a different way, replace the word Jesus this is what we're going to do for the next time through Lent. We're looking at 1 Corinthians 13 and, and the idea of love and Jesus being that. You can replace Jesus-centering calibration with sacrificial love-centering calibration. This applies to us as parents for our children. It applies to us as children to our parents. It applies to us as our family members. It applies to our friends. It applies to our workplace people. It applies to anyone you meet out there in the virtual spaces that you now populate in COVID time. It, it applies to how you treat the neighbor across the street, which I know some of you do very well. 
God's asking, Jesus is pushing on us, the leaders, the church, and and just Christian Jesus followers in general, that we need to take away this self-centering, success-centered calibration that will make us crash every time, that will make our lives rumble, that will make our lives feel like they're always pulling to the side, not making sense. And that's why Jesus takes... That's why Jesus takes the disciples, the three of them, up to the mountain that day. Now, who's there when they wake up and they see, oh my goodness, Jesus shining? Who else is there? Elijah, not Elisha, but Elijah, and Moses. Why are those two cats there? Elijah and Moses, why are they there? Moses is this representation in the imagination of of Israel. So if you're reading this in 2,000 years ago, this would have been clear. Moses is this representation of the law, the representation of what God has told us to do and to be and to understand. It's like the mind, okay? The mind of God being passed down to who we are, who we're supposed to be. Why is Elisha there? Elijah is representing the prophets, is representing the carrying out the passion to carry out that law, to carry out what God has told us. It's like the heart. So we have right there with Jesus the symbols of the the heart and mind of God. And Jesus showing the light himself coming from him, again, the fullness of God irradiating out of him. Moses and Elijah also happen to be the two people in the Old Testament scriptures that meet already, have already met with God once on a mountain. Moses with the Ten Commandments. Elijah, when he is running away for his life, finds himself in the cave and the still small voice comes before him and, and, and the, the presence of the Lord passes before Elijah. They are two people that are connected with meeting with God on a mountain and now they're with who? Jesus. The heart and the mind of what God has passed down to us. Peter kind of understands what's going on. How do we know that? Because what does he say that they should make? Tents. Why would he say that? When else do we see tents in the presence of God? In the desert. So God saves people from Egypt, right? Israelites are going from Egypt to promised land, Egypt to Canaan, Egypt to Israel. And as they're on their way there, God's with them and his presence, his presence is in the tent of meeting it. And they, they, they transport this tent all throughout their time in the desert. Peter gets it. He's like, Oh, I see what's happening here. Let's go ahead and make a tent here. But then actually he doesn't get it. Remember, Peter is the one who just tried to talk Jesus out of completing his mission. Jesus saying, look, we need to have a Jesus there or calibration. It needs to be sacrificial love. I'm going, to, I'm going to a cross to do this. Peter takes him aside. No, you're Messiah. This is supposed to be success-oriented. You're supposed to go and take everything over right now. My life is supposed to be better because you're in it right now. So, takes him to the mountain. The voice, the one time, by the way, the one time the voice of God the Father is spoken down like this for others to hear. The one time God speaks down. This is my beloved son. This is the son who I love. And listen to him. You're blind. 
he's saying. I'm talking about what we're supposed to be doing, and you're doing the opposite. So I'm going to say this very clearly. Calls down upon them. And this is what God's saying to us today. Jesus is my beloved son. Listen to him. My favorite composers is Stravinsky. My favorite pieces of music is the Rite of Spring. And Stravinsky once said something, <laughs> it's translated, so listening, something like listening is hard work, but hearing requires little. Even ducks can hear. <laughs> I see a lot of hearing by the disciples in this passage, but are they listening? I see a lot of the disciples liking the idea of Jesus, liking the idea of a Messiah, liking the idea of following Jesus around and being this prominent group of people. And now let's just put it right with us. I think there are a lot of people in the church, let's just say it too, like our church, that maybe we like the idea of Jesus. We like the idea of what Jesus would say to us. We like the idea of following the Lord. But when it comes down to it, do we love this enough where we're willing to listen even when we don't like what we hear? Because when it comes to our, our faith in following Jesus, it's less and it's not about the liking aspect as it is about the loving aspect. It's not just about hearing, it's also about listening it's not about what we like or the image that we are putting out there. It's about what we are actually being given. And the Father speaks down to us to say, this is my son, Jesus, that, he's it. And you need to listen to him. Each of us, I know in my own life, that success-oriented success calibration is so strong. And perhaps the truth of the matter is we, we won't be able to get around it until we're with the Lord in glory or, or Jesus comes again. But I think we need to be aware of it. And part of the beauty of being in, in a community of faith and, and, and being in church is that we can help each other to point out the blind spots and, and continue to encourage and equip one another forward to continue to master this. Because I do believe that the Holy Spirit has come so that we can we can grow in our ability to release our grasp on this success, on this self-centering calibration and, and move towards a Jesus-centering, a, a sacrificial love-centering calibration in each of our lives. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. We're going to be entering into the like I say, into this next series of Lent, we're going to be we're going to be walking slowly for through First Corinthians thirteen four through eight. And as we do this, the invitation starting already now is: let's not just hear it, let's listen deeply and notice the ways in which it challenges our the way that we have calibrated our lives, what we love and value most, and even. For those of us in the church, let's use it as a way to recalibrate our, our view of Jesus, our, our understanding of God, 
because we will find, if we're honest, we'll find as we dig into those roots, there are ways in which, like Peter, like James and John, like the 12, there are ways in which we have been enamored with an image of God that that's a likeness, but in some ways is not exactly what Jesus has said. A little too much of our own doing. So let's, let's be excited that we can do this together. And I'll, I'll leave you with the, the one hit of good grace here. God the Father spoke. He didn't just leave us out there missing who Jesus is. God the Father spoke in that moment. The goodness of God is that he has decided to be in covenant with you and he will speak, he is speaking, and he'll continue to speak to you. He wants to reach out to you in grace. And if he couldn't prove it by coming in Jesus and living here and dying for you, there's not much more probably that he could do. It's time for us to accept that with faith and to reach out back. But God the Father is not going to stop reaching out to you. That's the beauty of the gospel is that God will go as far as it takes to continue to, to have that relationship there as much as we might be deaf, blind, or indignant. This never, this never repels the love of God in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking. Thank you for, for pointing out to, to your son and, and inviting us into this recalibration and to listen to your son Jesus. Lord, we, we, are, we are your church and we ask that your Holy Spirit would be giving us new understanding as we enter into this next teaching series. You'd be giving us new understanding of what it means to, to have a Jesus-centered calibration, to have this self-sacrificing love in our lives that marks us. God, you are good, and your love endures forever. Amen. Let's move into this time of self-offering and continuing to let the words of the Lord that we have heard today speak to our hearts and to our minds.